0: Spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without living happier. Mother Teresa, you're listening to the Real Estate Investor Show, episode number 21.
2: We are thrilled to have Lynn Curry on today's show. Lynn is a seasoned home builder specializing in spec and custom builds in Austin, Texas. In 2010, she transitioned from exclusively investing in real estate to sponsoring and constructing real estate investment projects after leaving a highly successful career as owner and entrepreneur in a multi-million dollar marketing agency. On today's episode, we talk about how to make your first deal a successful one, how to avoid bad partnerships, and the key systems that keeps her multiple construction projects running smoothly.
3: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges.
4: can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
2: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz and... This is Andressa.
0: How are you? Doing well, Andressa. How are you doing? Doing great. The weather you know, is great outside, so that always inspire me. Oh, I know. I know. And I,
2: I actually, um, I started the day, I wanted to share this quickly before we jump into our our, our wonderful guest that we have. Uh, but I started the day listening. I'm, I've been really committed to meditating every morning. And the days I do it, life seems to work. And the days I don't, life goes down another path. But anyway, I this morning was all about surrendering. And I thought, you know, what a great topic for the day. And I feel like I don't know if this is as a, as a person, as a woman, as a someone in business, someone that's balancing a lot, but I want to control a lot. I want to, I don't say that, but really that's what ends up happening. And I'm just like, got to surrender. So I'm, I'm trying to be in action, have a productive day, but also be in this like sense of like being in like, kind of like this sense of peace around it. So it's an interesting feeling for me because I'm usually always in action mode, but I'm really being cognizant today uh, and this week about surrendering, letting go a little bit. So that's what's, that's what's up for me. It's, 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 funny. it's a hard work though.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. The, the, one of the books that I'm reading right now, you actually sent that to me, The Universe oh. Has Your Back. Oh, I forgot I sent that to you. Oh, yes. I so got to send it to myself. It, really, it talks about surrendering and is an exercise. It's truly an exercise to you know, tell the universe what's your blueprint and the universe has to do the job to get it to you. So I should
2: have. I, when I say new books, I should probably send myself <laughs> the same book. But anyway, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're going to get into a great interview. We have uh, we have Lynn Curry. How are you, Lynn?
1: I am great. How are you guys?
2: Good, awesome. doing well. We're uh, really looking forward to this interview uh, with you. Um, Lynn's going to get into she's she's a home builder uh, and, and a real estate extraordinaire. She's going to get into all that. But you know, we love we love to kind of start the interviews, Lynn for the women listening, everyone's journey is so unique and, uh, you know, everyone kind of starts in this business and gets going in very different ways. So love to hear from you. What compelled you? What inspired you to get involved in real estate investing?
1: Yeah. So when I was, when I was in college, I, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Like most of us, I don't know that I still know what I want to be when I grow (laughs) up, but, uh, um, I, I found myself, so I have a, I have a photojournalism degree. So basically Hmm. I've could gotten out of college and take pictures, and I really wasn't that good of a photographer, I'm still not, um, I'm capable, but I'm just not that great, um, and so I kind of went through college, I got this degree, I knew I didn't want to, to work in that, in that field, and kind of went off and started my career elsewhere, but all through college, I was reading these real estate investing books, you know, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, gosh, this guy named Robert Allen, that probably a lot of people know who he is, and And all of that made sense to me. I was very interested in it growing up. um, My dad was in the Marine Corps and we would move every two or three years and my parents would go into wherever we were moving into, buy this, some dumpy house, fix it up, make a lot of money, sell it, or not make a lot of money, but sell it, make more money than they bought it for, and then just kind of rinse and repeat everywhere we went. So I understood the finances of that. Um, So when I got out of college, I figured my path was going to be somehow through real estate And so I very quickly bought my first house. Um, It had been actually a rental that my father owned. I went in and fixed it up, lived in it for a couple of years, rented it out, started doing the same thing with the next one, and started building up a small rental portfolio. Um, Quickly learned that I didn't want to manage rental properties. Um, (laughs) Fast forward several years, and I had started a business, and we needed office space. And we went in, and we actually purchased... Um, some office condo units in a development that was being built and then started kind of moving through doing that. And now own a few office properties. Those are better than residential rentals, by the way, when you have, when it comes to the management of them, at least for me. Um, and always knew I was going to try to make my escape and go full time into real estate. I owned a marketing agency with two business partners hmm. and uh Was about to make the leap in late 2007, and then 2008 happened. (laughs) And most of us remember that was painful for the economy. (laughs) So I had to kind of step back and make the decision not to make the jump right then because there was barely a jump to make. Uh, Went back, started kind of refocused on the agency, and then in 2010 got a call from a friend who also owned an agency, and both of us always dreamed of escaping together. And said, hey, we need to go have a glass of wine. I need to show you something. And uh, went and had a glass of wine with her. And uh, she put a spreadsheet in front of me about um, this kind of model of building two homes on one lot. And the spreadsheet was basically the finances of it. And said, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to make your transition. And I said, that's fantastic. I don't know how to build a house. And she said to me, well, Don Moore, who, is, who was her business partner at the time, is going to teach you. And Dawn's background was as a project manager in an architect's office and she had started building under this model. And so she basically took me under her wing, taught me how to do it. Within, within 30 days, I had a piece of property under contract and started building. So that was the first one and that's how I, how I did it. And then I kind of straddled the line and held two jobs for that first year or so while I was learning. And then after I sold the first two houses, I decided to just go. So I basically handed the keys to the agency and signed over my my uh, interest in the company to my business partners and off I went.
0: There we go. So Lynn, for the ladies that are listening to us out there and they're thinking the same thing that you thought when your friend handled that deal to you, I don't know how to build a house. I don't even know what to ask a contractor about what he needs to do, how can I estimate the rehab, what would you tell her? Um,
1: ask every question possible to everybody you can find, I mean, I, I was lucky in the sense that I had a really close friend that I had that I trusted who who knew the finances and she handed me the spreadsheet with all the numbers, Now I'll say the numbers were not correct, but, but they were, you know, they were a framework. Um, and I actually went down the path, so I decided at the beginning, pretty early on, that I was not going to hire somebody to be the general contractor in, in Texas. We can do that. In most cities in Texas and in Austin specifically, we can do that. So I decided that I was actually going to learn the process as opposed to hiring a general contractor to go run the job. And my logic was that if I was going to do this and be successful, I needed to know how to do it. Um, and I, I had done the math and realized that I would have had to make a lot of really expensive mistakes to not get my money back out of it. So if I could do this and break even and pay back every dime that I had to borrow to do it, even if I didn't make money on it, I was ahead of where I want, ahead. And that's where I wanted to be. And I got lucky. I didn't lose money on it and I made money on it, but that was my logic in it. and then every time, every time a, one of my subcontractors and my trades came on the job site, I was there. I was there. I asked them what they were doing. I paid attention. Um, any inspector that was ever on site, I followed them around and asked them questions. Um, I just, you know, decided to be as much of a sponge as I could and learn as much as I could at the time. And I mean, and that that process just keeps going. I mean, today I, I learned things today. Yeah.
2: It doesn't stop. I mean, for, for that,
1: that first project, did
2: you do any additional like education outside the actual project, you know, courses or anything like that? Or was it really like hands-on talking to the subs? I mean, it was, just curious, you know, in terms of a educational perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had been, I mean, I would read and search things on the internet. Mostly I picked up a couple books, um, but all practical knowledge was on site, hands-on. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I will put in there that I think it's important to say that I, I inherited all my subs from this friend of mine. And so I already knew that they were solid, good, trusted guys. I wasn't having to go out there and, you know, try to find a plumber who wasn't going to do the job right. Yeah. God, I knew I, they were going to come do the job right. So for me, most of the initial learning was more on project and budget management.
2: Okay. That's great. And what were some big learnings for you on that? I mean, cause you know, it's all about managing money and managing right the team. So yeah, what were your big ahas or learnings that you take with you now with every custom build you do?
1: Um, I think, I think it's, I've gotten more sophisticated in my management of it. i um, at the beginning, it was like drinking through a fire hose. I mean, I can still go back and read through the notes that I took and just kind of laugh <laughs> you know, I like that wow. drinking
2: through a firehouse. I'm like, yeah, it.
1: whoa, I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah. yeah that's feels totally like that sometimes. Is. Yes, and I feel like I'm constantly tweaking my systems at this point. Um, you know, now I started with, with handwritten notes and then I moved to a spreadsheet. Now I actually use an online system, a commercial uh, uh SAS system, software as a service system, and I've got you know, Gantt charts and that sort of thing. And I, th- I think that the best thing you can do is be highly organized and know what the next few steps are, because in this business time is money. And if yeah. I, you know, if it's time to install the faucets and I don't have them on site, I've lost money because I've lost time and I've, and it's just going to cost me more. So I mean, I think that's, that's the, the biggest thing is learning how to manage the project. Um, on the budget side I work with multiple lenders so there's usually a little tweaking and kind of filling in on their systems as well Um, I've also but there's also kind of a method to that and, and there are certain lenders that I just won't work with because they make they cause too many delays on my end and too many issues on my end and it means that my business runs inefficiently because I'm you know, I'm doing multiple projects at any given time. I, I am not the bank. There's a reason I'm using banks. So if they're asking me to float too much of my own money, I get really uh, unwilling to do that and mm. won't use that lender.
0: That's a kind word, unwilling. I get pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> well, I mean that too, but there's only, at
1: some point there's only so much you can do. So, right. So you totally cut your life losses. You, yes. work, with, you work within the bank. The boundaries, the best you know how, and absolutely move through and decide that that's not something you're going to do again.
0: Totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm all about systems. I like my uh, all the projects that I'm running right now. It's always constantly thinking, How can I improve this so I can? moving a schedule that is not going to cost me end to end. So I'm curious to know what, what softwares, what apps, what systems do you have in place right now that not just you, but your team uses to move the, the project along?
1: Yeah. So my, so software wise, uh, if you step outside of the whole, you know, Microsoft office suite or Google suite, which we mm-hmm. use of course a lot, just for random things. Yes. Um, so I use a, a software called co-construct, manage the building of the houses and i do i do both specs and customs and i actually brought it in when i started doing customs because it makes it easier for me to to manage and work with custom clients um so i use that and that helps manage timelines selections uh budget that's that's the core of my system um and then my bookkeepers use quickbooks but that's Everybody knows what QuickBooks is and why Mm -hmm. they use it. Um, And then kind of an interim that I use between the two, I use um, Expensify, which is actually a software built for small companies and maybe large companies too, to do expense reports. Mm. And I have kind of tweaked it a little to do all of um, my invoicing and draw requests. So invoicing to clients that aren't using banks, draw requests to my banks because it makes it really easy to manage both the receipts and, um, you know, the classifications of the of, of the of the expenses and create really simple reports. I mean, that's been. I think I pay six to seven bucks a month for it, and it is probably the highest value for the dollar that I've got in any of my
0: software. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: I'm. Cu- I'm curious your your decision. You mentioned earlier to um, Lynn about deciding to. Become the general contractor, right? Yourself, mm-hmm. so to mm-hmm. speak. Uh, and you said that, you know, it was a pretty easy process. You guys don't have to get a certain license, or do you have to get a license in where, where you no. are? Okay. No, we don't have licensing. So that was something that you just decided to do early on, and you really learned the business inside and out as a result, which was great. Now you continue to do that. You know, for women that are, you know, listening to this and they're thinking of, you know, they're, hi- they're going to be hiring a general contractor, right? It, it crosses mm-hmm. many of our paths, whether you're flipping a house or potentially cut, you know, custom building a house as well, new construction. What would you say to them as they vet the con, you know, their contractors and their, their, their team? Um, I'm curious to get your even subs. like, what are, what are some like musts that, that we have to kind of, so to speak, you know, how do we really make sure we're getting the right team together?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, that's probably the trickiest part of this job. Um, I mean I, I think the biggest thing is to just get recommendations and and as far as for the subs and the trades. Um, so at least that whoever you start working with, other uh, somebody else has been happy with them. Um and in this business you're probably not gonna find somebody that everybody's happy with. It's a there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts that's and a great a, point. a lot of a lot of controlled chaos in this business. <laughs> um, I like that. <laughs> so so there's there's some of it that's just personality driven and then I mm-hmm. think The second thing is complete clarity in pricing and contracts. And a lot of these guys, at least here, you know, there, there aren't contracts. There's your guys, your guy's going to come in and lay the tile and he's going to tell you, he's going to charge you, you know, four bucks a foot, six bucks a foot to lay the tile and you let him walk in and do it. And you're thinking, okay, I had this one room. It was a hundred by a hundred and he's going to, and he's going to come in and say, oh, but I used, you know okay now I just killed myself on math but I, I meant to say it's a hundred square feet um, but he really opened 150 square feet worth of boxes and then you get the invoice and you say well wait a minute the room was only a hundred square feet and you charge me for 150 and he's like well that's the materials and you know you know and then when he said that was was um, what was included what wasn't included so I think I think it's just pure just absolute clarity of what they're going to do how they're going to charge you agree on the price up front um make sure you know back to what's included the the inclusions and the exclusions so that you just know
0: that I that's, think that's so what important to most people yeah i think that you, one thing that i you mentioned right now and i learned that very recent it's just that I don't need to just write down what includes. I need to. I need to know what is he excluding or he or she mm-hmm. excluding, because I don't know what I don't know in certain certain areas. And if I'm asking them if it is included or not, all of that needs to be on on paper because right. we will figure that out that it was not included right after. Right? It's <laughs> always after.
1: Right when the bill comes. And I and I've gotten to where I make it. I make it absolutely clear that anything they do that's out of scope, if they want to get paid for it, they have to get my approval first. And that's, that's not how a lot of these folks will work. And, and a lot of times it's them being nice, you know, it needed mm-hmm. to be done. They didn't want to hold up the job. They knew you wanted it done. So they went in and just did it. And then you get the bill and it's different than you expected. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, an extra hundred bucks and you go, okay, that's fine. But what if it's not? And it's also, it just, it almost sets a a business precedent.
0: Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The longest field
4: goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.
0: For the custom building, I'm very curious about that. Um, How do you deal with your clients? Because it's it's a very thin line between um, making sure they're satisfied, but at the same time, sometimes you have people that change their mind all the time and they Mm -hmm. will delay the project. At the end, the price is going to be a little different. How do you handle those situations?
1: Uh, A lot of documentation. So yeah, and it's and that's it goes it goes back to kind of the same process where, and this these were some hard lessons for me to learn where you you start and you're in my mind I thought I was being easy to work with and the nice guy when they would make a change and we'd be oh yeah we can take care of it we can take care of it, and what that does is set a precedence that everything kind of works that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I've learned is that I'm happy to make as many changes as they want, and I don't charge for all of the changes. It just kind of I have if it changes the scope significantly, I will charge for it. But if it's, Hey, we said we wanted this faucet, but we really want this faucet and it didn't change anything. I'm not going to charge them extra for it if we haven't installed it and all that good stuff. Um, But what's important is to still document that and have them sign off on it because then they start getting used to, there's a process and everything has to be signed off on. And if it costs more, they have to sign off on that cost right then and there. And it, and it tells them that it's outside of their budget. Um, and it's, so it's that kind of diligence. And with me, that's, that's not really my personality. So I've had to hire out for that because it's yeah. something that's very difficult for me to manage the paperwork side of it. So I've ha- I have, I have supplemented my talents with somebody else. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a great, it's a great point though, Lynn. I mean, you, first off, you said something really great. You said, you know, we often do teach people how to treat us and, you right. know, it's something we really all have to be mindful of. Um, And you're right. You're kind of creating this, okay, this is how this is going to go. So kind of nipping it in the bud is a great point in terms of the documentation. So, so you actually have someone that helps you with that, or do you have like a, a, some sort of online way that the signatures happen or what? I'm curious how to, how you've automated that or how you've kind of, you know, supplemented, so to speak that you, to use your word.
1: Yeah. So it, so, so it is built into the software that I use to do that. You can do change orders and you can do, there's also, there's I mean, it's a basic form that you're filling out and you can decide whether there's a cost associated it with it or not. Um, and it's all the signatures are electronic. Got it. Um, the challenge is from the field, I can't really do the change orders on my phone. You need the computer. And so um, for me, it's just easier to call back to the office and say, hey, I need a change order done. Get, let's get it done and get it in their hands. And I like to get it in their hands within five or 10 minutes because we've just done this and we've just agreed on it. And we can get them to sign it in five or 10 minutes, all is good. Whereas if I you know, go back to the office or send it to somebody who sits on it for 24 hours and then it goes out, it could be there's just some confusion in it or the delays start causing more delays. And a lot of times it could be that the trade is right there on the job site doing something. And if I don't get that signed off on immediately, then they have to come back and it causes delays.
0: Okay, great. And you mentioned about your personality and hiring somebody that has a different personality. Um, Liz and I always talked about it, how different we are, but how complementary we are. And I want to ask you about your team and how, how did you build them and what type of personalities were you looking for to build your, your power team?
1: Yeah. So when I, in my younger days, I had, I've, I've been, I've owned my own company since I guess I started my first one at about 28. So in the back then I tried to do everything. Um, and I would also put a lot of time and focus and effort on the things that I wasn't good at. And it took me a long time in my life to kind of make that switch and figure out that I no longer was going to try to do the things that I was not good at. I was going to actually let somebody else do them and and hire them for those, for those skills. Um, so other than skill sets, I, always hire somebody who I just like personally because I'm going to be spending a lot of time with them. My, my I've only got three full-time folks. So it's a, it's a small organization. And then of course I've got my trades, they come in and out. Mm-hmm. But I think working with people that you like and that you trust and can count on is incredibly important. Um, and then other than that, it's it's a skill set more than a experience. the industry. So, uh, both of the guys, I've got a bookkeeper. So then then in addition to that, I've got two other guys, two guys, and neither of them came from this industry. Mm. Um, one of them actually was a bartender and he was looking to get out of that business. Um, and he's kind of my site foreman. He takes care of all the job sites and makes sure that they're cleaned and that everybody has what they need and locks them and unlocks them and that sort of thing. Um, he is a good guy and completely reliable. He'll answer my texts, answer my calls, just take care of things. And he doesn't always know how to do something, but he's always willing to learn and he'll always figure it out or hopefully figure it out, but, you know, come close to figuring it out. And then um, my other guy, who's more of a project manager, project manager he actually earlier had worked at a, at a, in procurement at a large construct, commercial construction firm, but that really wasn't what he did. Um, super task oriented and whatever drops in his lap, he's one of those guys that manages it right then and right there. And I knew that that was part of the personality that I needed. Cause I have a tendency. I'm a little bit more, well, I don't even know how to say this nicely about myself, but I tend to put things off sometimes, <laughs> especially if I don't want to do them, you know, whereas he's like, well, even if I didn't want to do it, the best way to get it off my desk is to do it right then and there. Um, and so you know, as we started working together, I just learned I could hand anything off to him and I know he'll get it taken care of, or he'll just tell me if he doesn't, if he can't, or he doesn't know how, or if he needs something else. And that sort of reliability that we can both count on each other is almost everything for me.
2: That's great. In terms of your, so how many projects at once, Lynn, do you have going on?
1: Like, uh, usually between six and eight.
2: Okay. Six and eight. And that could be, are those like multiple properties on one lot or that's just six or eight homes or six or eight?
1: Yeah. All of the above possible. So sometimes <laughs> I'll have two, sometimes I'll have two houses on one lot. Okay. Um, I usually have an under construction. So vertical construction coming out of the ground where I've got crews, um, six or so. And okay. then the other, like right now I actually have six under construction and I've got three others going on. I've got one that's about to go into permitting. Um, I've got one that the architect is working on it right now, and then I've got another one that um, I'm doing a subdivide. So that's in city paperwork.
2: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All different stages, but yeah. but 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 nonetheless, it's you know quite a bit. You got you got your team. You know, I'm curious too to get into like part of our our kind of mission here, and part of what we're doing in this podcast, and this, you know this community we're building, is to talk about you know, you're, you're kind of like creating that balance. Right. And I know that, mo- you know, there's a lot of articles, like there's no such thing as balance and we can get into that whole philosophy, but, but really we seek balance. I think people do seek balance. I think people or at least me and I trust when as we launched this podcast, we seek balance, but you know, you have ambitions, you have goals, you, you know, you, you've started multiple businesses. Uh, you know, you're, you're someone who's, who's growing, right. I would imagine, right. In your business and, and what you're up to. So how do you keep it all kind of, together in terms of, you know, taking care of yourself? Like what, what are some, what are some things you do for yourself? Cause you gotta be, you gotta be really over, you know, busy and you got a lot on your plate and what you're up to. So I'm curious for you, what, what keeps you kind of grounded and what are some of your recipe for your own personal success?
1: Yeah. So, well, I think the, the first thing is I refuse to work 80 hour weeks. I just flat out won't do it. You know, I mean, I, I, I know in my business that I could push, 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 and push. And these houses would get built faster and I would be very unhappy and the people around me would be very unhappy. Um, So I think the first, the first and foremost, I just take the time that I want for myself to live the life that I want to live. I try not to work weekends. I will, if something comes up that absolutely has to be handled. Uh, And and honestly it helps having staff and and guys working with me um, because we can, trade off you know if I'm out of town Daniel can take care of it who's who's my site man or my project manager and if he's out of town I can take care of something um but I mean I I think there's there's things in my life that I like to do and I want to go do it and the only way to do it is to take the time to do it that's that's just this as simple as it gets and there's always going to be enough to do that if I want to work more hours I can work more hours. I mean, my, like my website is, I think I've got two pages on my website and it's been that way for a year and a half. And, you know, I really, I used to build websites for a living. I really should have a better website, but that takes time and it's not my priority and it does the job and it's kind of that, you know, great is the enemy of good is the quote, right? So it works. It does what it needs to do. And I'll get to it. I don't know, on a rainy day when I can't
0: go out and build houses. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Um, I'm c- always curious to know um, what's next. We always have like the never ending to-do list. And another day I was asking a friend about what does she think about my goals. And she was like, I tell you I achieved them. And I was <laughs> like, well, I have new ones. <laughs> so it's always, you know, recycling and and pushing a little bit higher. So for you, Lynn, what, what's next for you?
1: Um, so I'm actually really, I'm really happy with my business right now. And I'll just say on, on the home building side, I'm kind of in version two of my business. I had a business partner for a while and we split and I've spent the last two years, uh, kind of getting to where I am now. Um, and in that time, um, I've, I've started working, I've got investors, so I raise capital and that sort of thing. And so part of my what's next is also in the path that I'm taking my investors. Um, in, in what I do right now, we build, we sell, we build, we sell, we build, we sell. And there's a lot of interest from those guys um, for some buy and holds and to build something to hold. So right now I'm looking for some commercial properties to do, you know, a, a small mixed use development, something like that. We'll see if that's where we go. That's my present thinking, but as in anything, the numbers have to work. and. You know, that's, that's the trick. Um, I hopefully can continue to build and work in Austin for the foreseeable future. You know, the, the looming, is there going to be a crash is always, is always sitting right there. Um, So I just keep my fingers crossed that I can keep building because I absolutely love it. I love being able to make really beautiful homes that, that people want to live in.
0: Awesome.
2: Lynn, can I uh, ask you a quick question? Can I, can I ask you a question? Um, with regards to the partnership, just to kind of pivot in that, because you just mentioned about partnerships and how you just took a couple years to kind of get, you know, things moving along. Um, just a quick question about that. I mean, partnerships come up a lot in this business, you know, and, you know, Andres and I have seen it and you have good partners and then you have not so good partners and that can really you know, really throw you for a loop. I mean, I can go down a bunch of stories on that topic. So I'm curious for you not to get into to the whole story of it, but, you know, uh, the women listening to this, we often will partner with people because it's just helpful. I mean, you can't be an expert in everything in this business. So knowing what you've gone through without having to go down that in terms of specifics, what would you say to, to the person listening to this and saying, keep these things in mind. If you're dealing, you know, as you're partnering with people, do these things because the best people to tell you that stuff is usually people that have gone through partnerships that haven't worked so I'm curious to hear from you since you mentioned that a moment ago what what would you say to the women listening to this as they partner with women as they seek to partner with women or as they get better at partnering with existing you know partners what what recommendations would you have if you had a if you had a kind of sum up everything you've learned through the experiences you've been through
1: yeah Um, I mean I think I think Good business partnerships are—they're kind of like marriages, even if we don't want to call them that, right? So you've got to—you first and foremost have to find somebody that you absolutely trust, and that—that's tough because having a friend that you trust is very different than basically intertwining all your finances and your life in such a way, and 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 that will pop up. And I mean, we've all heard the stories, right? So that's going to pop up and do that. Um, I think other than that, you've got to make sure that your vision and your goals are aligned. And your and your um you know your your comfort at risk levels and that sort of thing have to be aligned. So if you know if you've got one partner that wants to go way big and they're willing to go into debt to get it, and the other one who is just happy with something small and they don't ever want to have any any a whole lot of risk financially, there's gonna be conflict there and it's gonna be difficult. So making sure that that you're aligned in that, but also not so aligned that you take dangerous risks mm. right so so if if you've got two people that always see the best in everything and are never questioning that's okay. that's also a recipe for disaster so there's yeah. all there's all sorts of things like that um so i think you know trust and vision and goals are, are all really big and important i think a really good lawyer to put the documentation together is uh underutilized in a lot of ways, because if you, if you form your company correctly, when it's time to exit it, all those things have been thought through and you can just exit, you know, the, the way it's, the way things are meant, right, right. You don't, you don't have to get, um, caught up in, well, you know, you're going to owe me this. You're going to owe me that. When, if it was all documented really, really, really well in the beginning, that'll come through. Um, And then I think lastly, I would say, you know, listen to that small voice inside your head. If something, if you get a feeling that something's not right, listen to it, just listen to it. And I think, I think this is a gross generalization, but I think a lot of women are raised and taught to not listen to that, to that small voice in their head. Even if you look back, look to, you know, tiny kids and and infants when they don't want to go to somebody and they start crying and you're like, Oh no, he's, she's a nice lady. She's a nice lady. And we're put into people's hands. And so we're, you know, that's intuition that we're being told is not right. And so we're not, we're not taught to listen to that small voice. And I think that it's huge. It's huge. Yeah.
2: Yeah, It's a great, great suggestion. Great uh, recommendations. I thought I would ask that because you mentioned it and it's partnerships are big. So thank you for that. Um, Lynn, you have uh, such a, a great, Great suggestions and just so much wealth of of knowledge I know on your YouTube channel. So is that where where people can learn more about what you're up to on your on your YouTube channel? Or what what's the best place for uh for women to connect with you?
1: Yeah, so um yeah, they're absolutely welcome to my, to go to my YouTube channel. I owe it some videos. I probably haven't uploaded anything in wow, maybe a year, year and a half, but there's more coming. Um uh they can find me there and that's it. It's under Lynn Curry Builds. So uh Lynn, and then I have lincurrybuilds.com but it's directly connected to the YouTube channel. So it's just the, the same information.
0: Great. All that information, we're going to put on our show notes so you guys can check it out. Um, so now, Lynn, we're going to go on our fabulous three questions. So the first one is, do, do, do. The first one is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Uh,
1: this, one, this one's kind of an easy one, but it's, um, it's a business book. Um, And it was just kind of the aha moment of not trying to do everything. And that was the e-myth. And that was, you know, sure, most of us have read it. And it was, you know, I realized that I, you know, I could just make the pies if all I want to do is make the pies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was about the time that, and um, I'm a big proponent, proponent of DISC, which is kind of one of those strengths and weaknesses, although they wouldn't say they wouldn't frame it that way tests. And so I kind of combine those two in the logic.
0: Great. Liz Liz is an expert on on those stats, right, Liz?
2: Yeah. I (laughs) I worked many years with another tool called Predictive Index, but it's similar in that, you know, what are the four quadrants? And I'm always analyzing everyone. I can't get it out of my head, even though I don't (laughs) work with it as much anymore.
1: I bet you know which quadrant I could fall under. <laughs> Absolutely. I got totally.
0: you <laughs> She can. She always comes to me In and a say, good way, of course. Right, right. You know that person? That person, it is an extrovertive and something else and something else. I was like, wow. You get to the you, point with that person. Don't, don't go on too long. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. It's always good. So the second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
1: Oh my goodness. That's a tough question. Um, what, what, routine? So I'm not, I'm not big on routine, so I will say possibly getting up and working every day. <laughs> um, I, th- I think for me, it's just making sure I do the fun stuff, you know, cause I can, I, I have a tendency I'm able to jump into something and not look up from it and just keep going and keep going. And then what happens is I find that I, I get somewhere and get really frustrated and then I realize it's because I've put all this energy into it and I haven't stopped and gone and done something else. So sometimes I have to actually force myself to stop and pick up the phone and call a friend and say, hey, let's go do something. Um, I'm a little bit of an introvert, so I've got to make sure I get myself out there.
0: And you made a good point about not having a routine. I think that I, I, hate, I hate routines where I'm obligated to do that. I, I think that I have good habits, if you, you would say, but I agree with you. I want to be free, and I, I think that, that that's what brings me joy, too. So the third question will be, uh, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
1: Wow. Um, so I'm a huge fan of Ann Richards. I mean, she was she – was, um, For those who don't know, she was she was governor here in Texas for a fairly short amount of time. Very uh, sharp tongued, smart, brilliant woman who, um, if you looked at everything, should have never ever been able to be elected governor in in Texas just by her politics and by the fact that she was a woman. And um, you know, she's shaped a lot of things in this in this state, and I think really showed a lot of people that you could go do something that. Many people thought she
2: couldn't. Awesome, I gotta look in. I gotta look in because we're all from Jersey, so you know, (laughs) I'd love to see a see a successful lady leading this state. We need we need a lot of help, but um, that's great, Lynn. Thank you so much for being on our show and sharing all your great knowledge. And uh, I I highly recommend those listening check out Lynn's YouTube page. She's got some great how to videos. You know, putting flooring down. I mean, the things you need to know in order to flip a home, or even if you're doing it in your own home, it's just great stuff. So, um, so thanks so much for being on our show.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Lynn. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes.